Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 15th. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. It seems a little strange to say that this way because it's been on Tuesday mornings at 9 o'clock so long. And this is my first time on a Wednesday at 11. Hey, that is, that's right. This is your first Wednesday. It is my first Wednesday, and it's not the second Wednesday. And I, if you, we have to laugh about it because last week I got all confused. Yeah, well, we'll get back on schedule next month. Okay. Yeah, don't, don't worry. Don't worry your pretty little head about it, Gene. Well, there's nothing pretty about my head. I beg to differ. <laughs> Today is the feast of of St. Eugenius, which is my one of my patron saints. Well, happy name day. Happy name day. And, you know, Eugene, which is my formal name, means of noble birth. Mm. And so as a son of the king, I am of noble birth. And my name confirms that. Now, St. Saint, Saint Eugenius uh, was a disciple of St. Dionysius. And St. Dionysius was the first bishop of Rome and uh first bishop of rome i'm i'm sorry first bishop of paris give me a break i mean it's i'm all confused don't, because i'm on the don't wrong don't slight day. paris like that by confusing it with rome right that's no. what the parisians would say anyway uh he uh he suffered martyrdom as did saint dionysius of but course. Uh, but there's not much more known about him except there's he's confused with another saint eugene who was the bishop of toledo i believe Toledo, Ohio? Or Toledo, yeah. Spain. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Man, I didn't think there was a, there was Catholics over here that, now, that soon. Now, you've got some other saint whose saint feast day it is today. D- just a very minor saint, very minor saint. It's also the optional memorial of St. Albert the Great. And he is usually associated often with St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas was one of his students. He was the son of a German nobleman. Uh, he was studying at Padua. Um and he was then drawn into the Dominican order. And he, uh, just a great theologian and intellectual and, and teacher. So this is in the 13th century that he was alive. Um, but he died on this day in 1280, November 15th. So that's why this is his, his feast day. And those of you who are at St. Thomas Aquinas might want to wish your pastor a happy feast day himself. Yeah. So That's right. It's a special special day in, in effect for the parishioners of St. Thomas Aquinas. That's right. For two reasons. As, as Father Albert pointed out this morning, not only is it the Feast of St. Albert, but because he is the teacher of St. Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. he it is a special day for them. Mm-hmm. For so happy reasons. name day to Father Albert. Good, good, good going there. And all of our Alberts out there. Yes. And all of them that we don't know. That's right. And all of our owls and all of our Berts out there. Yes. And Albertus, too. And Albertus, too. There's something going on. It, it's it, in, uh, in the Austin Diocese right now, the, uh, the International Pilgrim Statue of Our Lady of Fatima is touring, and it's making the rounds of several of the parishes here in the near future. 
And I don't, if, for those of you in uh, the Palestine area, I don't know of anything in your particular area that's going on, and I don't see where the statue is coming anywhere to Waco, but I'm going to tell you anyway about where it's going. Uh, it's going to be at St. Luke in Temple on December the 6th, St. Helen in Georgetown December the 7th. Uh, it will be at St. Mary's Cathedral on December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And it will be here in College Station at St. Thomas Aquinas on December the Sunday, December, uh, pardon me, uh, December the 9th. And there's another location uh, in on the 10th, St. John the Evangelist in Marble Falls. The exact times of, of the devotions I don't have, but you can contact the local parish there to find out when that is. And if you can find this information also on the uh diocesan webpage, or if you still have your spirit newspaper, it's in the spirit. And we have some PSAs running on the radio station with the, with the times that it will be at St. Thomas. I don't remember off the top of my head, but just listen to the radio. Okay. Uh, the, right now, St. Thomas Aquinas, at St. Thomas Aquinas this week, there's a, a lot of people working together in the afternoons to help with the food for the poor for St. Vincent de Paul. Okay. And uh, you can contact if if you if you think you can help there, that's fine. You can contact uh, George Cottle, and I don't have his phone number here. You can probably contact the St. Thomas Aquinas office to find out about what's going on. I'm sure it's uh, will be still today and tomorrow afternoon. And then I think starting Friday, it will be over at St. Joseph's. The food will be bagged up for distribution. So it's a very good way that you can minister to the poor if you're so inclined. Uh, I can tell you from my own experience that you need to be able to walk a little bit because there's a lot of walking involved in getting this ready. Okay. Uh, I'm really excited about what's going on uh, for me on this program. It's, uh, I am so blessed to be the host on these uh, on the days that I am. And my guest today is Mark Knox, and he will be a lot here with us a little bit later. And he has a very exciting story to tell about how he got here and how uh, God has worked in his life to get him where he is right now. And how he, and we got a, an email uh, this last week, or this on Monday, I got an email uh, forward to, from somebody, and we may, might talk to Mark about a little bit about that, about how great uh, people who come into St. Mary's find the environment. And uh, so we... I'm, I'm really happy about that. Next month... Uh, oh, Gene, before you move on to talking about the rest of your guests, since we're on St. Mary's, um, we had the privilege of broadcasting Magnify, uh, their hour of adoration and uh, music, and then they also bring in a guest speaker. This was It was Sister Miriam James Heidland this last Monday, and it was just a tremendous event. There was, there was a Monday night, Monday night at 8 p.m., and the church at St. Mary's was packed to the gills. There were probably 800 students and community members there for her talk and then adoration and song. Uh, very inspiring and uh, just a very moving event. And then she spoke to the students for a little bit yesterday as well at lunch. A wonderful, wonderful woman. She can be followed on Twitter at... One Groovy Nun, and she also has a podcast that she does uh, called Abiding Together, if you want to follow Sister Miriam James. Um, 
get to know her story. She she was actually just on Monday morning. She was on the uh, our radio station because she her interview with Marcus Grodi on the journey home had just come out. So she was on the on the radio in the afternoon, and then she was speaking here at St. Mary's in the evening. It was pretty pretty neat confluence of events. So now, yeah, there's a lot lot of great things going on. And in St. I, for sure. I understand from you and from Dennis that, that there are plans to make that talk available yes. again, either broadcast or from some website. We will we will make uh, we're going to broadcast it a few times on KACB ninety six point nine, and then we will make the file available. We're going to share it with St. Mary's, so they're going to probably make it available like on their Facebook page or their website. We might also link, and we'll link to it from our website too. So yeah, okay. people will be, will be able to listen to it for sure. Okay. Now in December, I've got somebody that, uh, uh, my guest from this last year from St. Jerome's there in Waco, uh, the Nagels, Daryl and Lori Nagel. Uh, got Can I me- say one more thing before you get Yes. Okay. And also, Sister Miriam was kind enough to give us an, an interview for about 15 minutes, and we're going to make that available to our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society members as part of the Roundup Extra series that we're doing. So if you want access to uh, things like that, please be a Recurring Gift Society member, an Immaculata member, and you can do that by going to redsearadio.org slash donate and joining the Immaculata Giving Society. And that's one of the thank yous that we give you are those Roundup Extra pieces. Now, Gene, now okay. you can finally start. I've, uh, some of you may remember when I uh, interviewed Daryl and Lori Nagel from St. Jerome's in uh, Waco, and they gave me names of a couple of people in the Waco area that we are going to be, I'm going to be interviewing in the next uh, few months. Next month, I will have Teresa Julian, and uh, she is going to talk to us about surviving brain cancer, Okay. And her devotion to divine mercy and how that's helped her in surviving the brain cancer. Uh, the, in, in January, I will have Dr. Corey Carbonara, uh, who yeah. is from Waco. At, he's uh, at Baylor. And he's going to talk about the, his intergenerational devotion to the infant of Prague and various mm. uh, miracles that are attributed to that. Mm-hmm. And then... In January, I'm going to have. Christian. I got to meet him at the diocesan men's or the um, Central Texas Men's Conference a couple of years ago. Okay, really nice guy. And like in, in January, I will have Christopher Lafitte, who is the uh, counselor here, mm-hmm. the psychologist mm-hmm. on staff here at St. Mary's, and we're going to talk about all those nasty things that we do at the first of the year, where we make New Year's resolutions and how we kick ourselves in the rear end because we don't. Uh, keep them. Get down on ourselves. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing that I would say is about today, and we're going to take a break here in just a minute because mm-hmm. we, uh, we've we got Mark in the studio with us, uh, is that today is in the gospel is a story of the 10 lepers. And uh, if you remember right, only one of them came back to say thank you to Jesus. Just one of them. Just, just one so out ungrateful. Of so ungrateful. And as the uh, word among us uh, meditation for today pointed out, that the word thanked in Greek is the same word from which we get our word Eucharist mm-hmm. when we celebrate the Eucharist, so that our Mass is to be a thanksgiving to God for all the wonderful things He's done for us, particularly for taking away the leprosy of our sin. Indeed. Okay, Indeed. so with that, why don't we go to break?
Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have Mark Knox in the studio with me right now. Uh, if you have a question for Mark or you just want to heckle him a little bit or something, if you know him, <laughs> uh, you can call 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. We'd be very happy to talk to you and uh, answer your questions, or maybe you've got a comment that you'd like to share with us. Mark, it is so good to have you here. It's great you, to be here. It's been a long time for you to get here. <laughs> yeah. Your your background is really very interesting. We talk, uh, as I usually do with my guests, uh, ahead of time, and you told me about where you grew up and all of the ways and the the crooked streets that you used <laughs> to get here to St. Mary's. <laughs> and, and, and tell people what your title is, by the way. I'm the director of campus ministry. Which means what? Uh, so I support directly um, the campus ministers and the direction that that St. Mary's really is headed pastorally to support our students. Okay, and that's that's uh, your shoulders uh, aren't very stooped yet because the load <laughs> must not be that big yet. <laughs> no, it's easy when you when you have a lot of great people working with you. Okay, now you you came here in uh, what was it July? I did. Yep. And but you didn't start out here. I mean, you started out here as a student. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, but even before that, you started somewhere pretty unusual for a person to take have a ministry job as responsible as what you have. Where where'd you grow up? I grew up in Coleman, Texas, South of Abilene. And uh, what that was, you told me I was on a ranch. Yeah, we it, it's a little small ranching community. There's population. I always joke around and say, you know, population you and the cow, but uh, it really has a population of around four thousand stu- or people there in that town. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your your folks, your dad raised cattle. Yeah, we were farmers and ranchers, and and uh, that's what that's what my family did as a trade. And so you uh, probably were on a horse at a very early age. <laughs> I did horses and and four wheelers and and everything else I could you know get on. It, it was a uh, it was always interesting out there. Any broken toes from uh, from branding cattle or giving them inoculations or you bru- know, big bruises? Uh, no broken towels, uh, toes. I I did come off a horse into some cactus once, and and uh, man, there lots of bumps and bruises, but nothing too serious. Well, out of that, you decided you wanted to come to Texas A&M for uh, your college education. And uh, what were you going to pursue when you got here? You know, I I left. I only applied for one school, just to be honest. I'm the 32nd Aggie in my family. I don't know if I told you that before. No, you didn't. (laughs) All my uh, my grandparents and aunts and uncles, my brothers and sisters, everyone in my family is an Aggie. So I really knew one school that I wanted to go to, and A&M was really my only choice. And and so I applied here just hoping to get in. I was a provisional student, so I barely got in, but barely counts. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to be an adventure guide. I wanted to be a... You know, rafting and rock climbing and camping, climbing, guiding people up into the mountains kind of stuff. So what kind of a degree do you need to be able to do that if you're going to have a degree? Well, I started in outdoor education, um, didn't know exactly, you know, kinesiology kind of oversees the outdoor education field. So I started in kinesiology and uh, found a couple areas where, you know, the classes weren't all guided towards what I wanted to do, but I found out that I could keep my outdoor education, but I could transfer over to recreation and park and tourism sciences. So that's where I went. Okay. Uh, now, you didn't stay in there for a long time, though, did you? I did not. Oh, uh, What not. was the reason for that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think like most college students, you find out, you know, there's a couple classes that, 
you're taken and you're like, man, this is, this is not for me. Um, my focus, you know, I, I've, I've always been an ADHD kind of person where if I'm doing something I enjoy, I'm focused and I can do it well. When I'm in something that I'm not so great at, it's not my interest and I, I really struggle a lot. So I found myself having to take some courses that just were not, I, I knew I wasn't going to pass them. I had to drop a couple classes and, and I ran out of drops. I don't know what the drop system is now, but back then you could only have three drops. So <laughs> I think I ran out of drops in my biology 113, 114 classes, and also there was a RPTS class. I think I just took an F in. But, you know, it, it's as bad as that sounds, that's really good, isn't it, Mark? Because in, in doing that, uh, God was able to help you see that that was not the area that you were really mm-hmm. destined to be in. Yeah. And so and sometimes we look at those things, those uh, disappointments and, and areas where we, we want to focus, and uh, we don't see that it's not really where God is calling us, and he allows us or gets us in a situation where we have to go somewhere else, doesn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. So what did you do after that? Um, Well, you know, that was actually after my sophomore year. So between my sophomore and junior year, I was a rafting guide in Colorado. I lived in a tent and uh, guided people down the Arkansas River for for a living. We made like $25 a trip, and I was getting maybe four trips as a first-year guide a week. So um, I was hurting for money, but I, I loved it. But I remember my parents, they came up to visit me, and, you know, of course they couldn't stay in my tent with me, but um, I remember them having a conversation with me just about, you know, do you see yourself really wanting to do this for the rest of your life? And I realized that it was fun, and I loved it, but it was not sustainable long term. So I knew I kind of, when I came back to school, I knew I kind of had to find my place in some other field. So that's kind of where I moved into wildlife biology and uh, I, I kind of kept a lot of my outdoor rec- recreation classes, but I kind of moved into wildlife fishery science area. So that, again, you're having those sciences that are very difficult for mm-hmm. you because your brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. Well, that's good, though. I mean, so then, so did you stay in that for a while or did you move on from there also? You know, I took an invertebrate class, and uh, some of the students that may be listening maybe in this invertebrate class, it, you basically have to— look at 50 different fish who've been soaking in in alcohol for the last, you know, five years or something like that. And a rainbow trout does not look like a rainbow trout anymore. And you have to identify saying, you know, the genus, species, you know, the phylum class order and spell it all correctly. You know, I think my first couple classes, I, I made like, I don't know, 20s, 30s on those. So again, I, I was bumping into classes that I just didn't have the focus to really um, dive into that. So that's when I moved over to um, the easiest major at A&M at the time, which was ag development. And I'm not sure if they still have it, but it really is more of a general study. So that way I could take my outdoor classes, my wildlife fishery sciences, the rangeland sciences, all those things. I could lump them into one major and and actually just d- get a degree. But the, again, uh, if I refer back to the uh the gospel for this last Sunday, it's the parable of the talents. Mm. And what mm-hmm. you were finding out at this time is that where you did not have talents, but mm-hmm. eventually you found out where you do have talents, correct? Yeah. yeah. And that's where you ended up. Did you did you uh, graduate with a degree in ag? I did, ag development, yep. Okay, and so what did that 
do for you? Uh, I guess I was still trying to figure out myself. And so I went into an area of, uh, I was a, a dude rancher for a while. I worked on a game ranch guiding deer hunts. And, and so I was, I was in that field for a while. Loved it. It got me a job. It gave me some experience. And, uh, but it's still, there was something not quite satisfying, I guess, in, in the work that I was doing. So why wasn't it satisfying to you? What was what was missing? Sure. You, well, first, when when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know it's hard to get to mass. And uh, so you were still a, a very much Catholic. Oh yeah. Through all of this, I was absolutely. I was still, you know, very Catholic, very rooted in my faith. Um, but at the time, I uh, there was no no direction guided towards you know doing any sort of ministry. That was not really my. My plan, but I love the Lord. I wanted to serve the Lord whenever I could. But, um, but yeah, it was hard to get to mass, and uh, the people I was surrounded by were not really necessarily focused on that either. So um, I just there was there was just a calling deep down that that wanted me to do something more. And where where were you doing this? Was this back in Colorado? Yeah, that was in Colorado. Yeah. Was that? Did you go through your first winter there? Uh, you know, I did. I left right before the winter struck. <laughs> the beautiful time. Is when, you know, it gets close to winter and all the trees turn yellow. It's just, it's gorgeous up there. I'm a Colorado native, so I know, uh, I know exactly what you're talking love about. Love Colorado. Yeah. September is my favorite month back home. <laughs> it's beautiful. For that reason. Yeah. yeah. So you came back from Colorado before the snows came. Mm -hmm. And what did you do then, Mark? You know, I, I didn't have a job. I was actually discerning, trying to get my master's or go back to school. And uh, that really wasn't working out. I didn't do great on my tests and, and all so, my... So you took the GRE. I did. I took the GRE and my advisors that I knew from ag development basically say, you know, I, there's something. I just don't feel like you're ready yet. You don't want it enough. And and I agreed, you know. So I, li I was living with my parents and I got a call from um, who is now Father Hank Lanick, a, a great friend of mine. I had known him since I was like 12 years old, and he invited me to come do some work at the Pines. So you went to the Pines then? Yes, the Pines Catholic Camp. So you still got your great outdoors, mm -hmm. but you got to be closer to God. Yep. And you were telling me something about that position. It was kind of a... a something new, wasn't it, at the Pines at that time? Or was it something that... Well, it was new to you anyway. It was new to me, for sure. Um, we were running full-time, you know, just retreats, lots of retreats, and during the week, you know, outdoor education, those kind of things. So it, it was kind of bridging that gap between loving God and also loving nature and being outside and, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of work, yeah. So somewhere in here, you met your wife. You, you're now married and have, what, three children? We have three kids, yeah. And where did you meet your wife? So after the Pines, I went to my first church ministry job, which was at St. Paul the Apostle in Richardson. Oh, okay. And she was a senior in college living with her dad for the summer. Okay. And I was greeting—I was a youth minister in the parish, and I was greeting outside of Mass, and, and sure enough, this, this you know cute-looking girl walks up, and, and I knew she wasn't a high school student. And so I got to know her that summer and followed her up to Colorado. Okay. Now— we got a little bit of ahead of ourselves. How you were at the Pines, and you were there for what a year? I was. Uh, it was about a full semester in the summer. In the summer, mm -hmm. and you didn't want to stay for the summer. I did. I'd stay for the summer. summer you didn't want to stay for the right. Fall. I didn't want to stay for the fall. 
I was ready to kind of jump into a, I guess by that time I had gotten enough mentorship and and I, I was ready to kind of go full-time somewhere. So Father Hank helped you make that decision or – Father Hank was actually on his way out to become Father Hank. He was he was the director of the Pines for so many years, and then he had discerned his way into seminary. And uh, so he was leaving for the seminary, and there was a new leadership going to take over after that. And uh, I had so much history with Father Hank, I, I was kind of ready to go branch out on my own. So sometimes somebody else's destiny helps to, to get you to your destiny. Sometimes, yeah. So you— Ended up at St. Paul's, but that's St. Paul's is just on the north side of Dallas, it is. almost directly across from Texas Instruments. Mm-hmm. And how did you get there? Uh, just uh, looked around. CatholicJobs.com is a great place to you know look for jobs if you're interested in Catholic ministry, and that's kind of where I started to look. Look for mi- youth ministry jobs. And that parish is one that was probably established in the late 50s, early 60s, mm-hmm. so it was pretty sell- settled group of people there, mm-hmm. and probably uh, was it a large youth ministry that you had there? Not, No, not really. I'd say we had about 20 students at the most in our high mm-hmm. school program, and, and maybe uh, another 20. There was a Catholic school attached to the parish. The, a grade school. Yeah, grade school. So there were a lot of uh, children that were there, middle schoolers as did, well. Did you find that transition difficult, or did the Pines help you to make the transition from uh, trek leader to uh, youth leader? You know, it was very different. It was different ministry because, you know, at the Pines, you're you're working with students for, you know, like two or three days at a time. And the long-term commitment of accompaniment, that's that goes into play when you're working at a parish. And so that was a learning curve. I had no idea what I was doing. There were so many nights where I'm like, Let's have this kind of night, and and no one showed up, <laughs> or uh, one or two students, and we're sitting out in the front yard playing frisbee because there's you know you, safe environment wise you you can't be by yourself and and with just one or two students. So we we'd go play frisbee outside, and you know we'd find ways to occupy our time. But you know the the ministry was I was trying to figure out what it even looked like. I had no idea. So there was. You know, you mean there's not a youth ministry handbook, how to become a youth minister? <laughs> there's maybe more stuff now, but at the time, you know, in the parish when you're starting out, there were very few resources, and and uh, I didn't really have a mentor at the time, so I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a lot of people to ask questions and, and get feedback. So the Dallas Diocese didn't have a lot of people to, to lean on or... Or let's see, the, one of the closest parishes there would be St. Mark's or mm-hmm. St. Patrick's or All Saint Saint, St. Joseph's yeah. and All Saints. Yeah. yeah. No, the diocese, I think, did a great job. It's just at the time, you know, I didn't know what resources were out there or how to use them, or mm-hmm. it, it was just a brand new field that I, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and it took time to find out where to get resources and where to find support. But you did. I did, yeah. Which means that you probably worked very hard and long and late into the night many a time. <laughs> yeah. As, as a single person, you could do that. Well, you know, you, there are other things you could do as a single person, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So you, you were at St. Paul's about how long? Uh, for about two and a half, three years. Two and a half, three years. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you, this lovely young lady that you met in the back of St. Paul's had moved off to Colorado, had she? That's correct. 
And what was she going to be doing there? She was finishing her senior year at Regis University. Oh, she went to Regis? Really? In, in I have yeah. connections to Regis University. Yeah, yeah. My father was the lacrosse coach there from... 2000 from sorry 1997 to 2002 oh my gosh yeah well that's pretty interesting my wife played lacrosse she did Regis. yeah he, he coached the men's team and so she played the women's she played women's yeah oh wow this is she probably knows who he is yeah and i'm sure that we both know her head coach at the time yeah oh great we'll have to that's amazing yeah we'll have to chat more <laughs> off the air <laughs> so uh your heart called you to leave Richardson, Texas, to yeah. go to the Denver area. Mm -hmm. And did you go there with, with a job? I did. I mean, that's we had actually, my wife and I had broken up at the time. And so I I've, I was more making the decision to join the, the youth ministry for me and uh, to, to change to a parish. And I was actually, you know, when I was first looking, I was open to really anything. I loved Colorado. And to go back, I... I actually had applied and and had a, I didn't accept the offer, but I almost took an off, offer to work on the the ski slopes and but I figured you know I, I probably should be settling down about this time. So there was a struggle between <laughs> the little boy in you and the man in you. <laughs> you could say so. You could well, say I think so. we all do that. Even at my age, there are times when I find a struggle between the little boy in me and the man in me. Yeah. And that's, that's a pretty difficult thing to do at times, isn't it? <laughs> so you took this job at a parish there? I did. Immaculate Heart of Mary in North Glen. In North Glen. And, mm -hmm. Okay. So it was a little easier this time as youth minister, correct? Absolutely. There were great people. We had a great pastor. Um, Jan Wood was the youth minister there for many, many years. So she there was an established program that I was jumping right into. So uh, it, it was... I, for the first time, I actually had companionship on the journey to to kind of learn from other people on how to do ministry. It was it was a great experience. And what, did you get married while you were in Colorado? We did. We got married at Immaculate Heart. We did well. We came, of course, Richardson, Texas. You went back is, to St. Paul. To yeah, get we went to get back married at Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. So, at, when your wife graduated, that she stayed in Denver with you. She did. We bought a house. Bought a house. Yeah. And everything was going fine until? Until, uh, well, there were some circumstances in the church that, that made it pretty hard to be there. Um, and that happens. And everybody thinks, well, I'm going to work for the church, and everything's just going to be wonderful, and there are not going to be any problems or mm -hmm. difficulties, and I'm going to fit right in. And if I don't fit in, I am the most horrible sinner there is. <laughs> the, but, but yeah. it doesn't always happen that way, does it? No, no. And so, so you, God also uh, used a little bit of a boot again to make you move to where He wanted you to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were um, at the time. You know, we were just really struggling because we wanted to be in Colorado and we wanted to be at that parish. But you know, there's there's always money and there's always. Um, personalities and and job challenges that sometimes just make it difficult to do what you know you're being called to do. And so at the time, you know, there was an opportunity that opened up in Colleyville, Texas, and uh, we looked at it, we considered it, and we thought, you know, we could actually kind of start our family down in Texas where our family is. And and so it was more of a homecoming when we decided to make that move. And and uh, 
those that don't know the DFW area, Colleyville is on the other side of Dallas from Richardson. That's right. It's, it's on the west side of the airport. The west side of the airport. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me that that was quite a youth group there. Yeah. There's a... Explain to people a little bit about what you inherited and, and what how you brought it along from where it was when you got there. Sure. So uh, when I started there, they didn't have a youth ministry program. Uh, it was a fairly new parish, and they had great people running it. Um, they just didn't have anything established yet, and so they had asked me to go ahead and try, try something, and and do what it took. And and so I I did. The men's club was incredibly supportive. They donated. They I probably received maybe seventy five thousand dollars just in donations to be able to purchase you know couches and rugs and bean bags and equipment and you know kind of make the space what it was. And we started with forty students, and after. That next semester, we made a few changes, and and that next year, coming back, there were about 130, and the year after that, we had about three, 300 started to attend. Just every week, we had you know two to 300 students every week. But in making the decision to go, it was probably pretty difficult, because you were telling me that you had a house to sell, oh. and, the, and the market had just crashed. Yeah, that was a 2005 market crash, and uh, in Colorado, everything's inflated anyway. You know, so the ex- houses were expensive, and and for that first six months, we actually had to live in random people's houses for the might, parish. It might have made made it more difficult to make the move to think you can lose all this money and and all that stuff. Yeah, and we did. We lost a lot of money, um, but you know, I I'll never forget sitting in front of Father Richard Eldridge, and and he he told me when when we were kind of making the final decision, are we going to make this move? And he said he just looked me dead in the eyes of Father Wood, and he said. You you get here and we'll take care of you. Okay. And I trusted that, and they did. You know, they they very much took care of us for six years. We were very much a part of that community and loved the people, the students, the family, the work, the my coworkers. It was just an incredible, incredible place to be. And you said you lived with people for the first six months. So mm-hmm. you lived a couple of weeks here and a couple of weeks there, a month or two here and a month or two there. Yeah, we there were three different couples that took us in, and and they were connected to the community, and they had beautiful homes and beautiful families and space to accommodate us. So it really was the epitome of what Christian community looks like, you know, to to support and to uh, to take care of you know the the church and the people of the church. So in this growth from what. Uh, 40 kids to 300, were you doing this all on your own, or did you have some help? A lot of help. A lot of help. We did a lot of recruiting for parents and young adults to to help us out. Did, were there, did, during this period, was there, were there also some uh, assistants on staff with you, or were they all volunteers? Oh, no, it was all me. I was, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was middle school and high school, and both of our cro- programs were massive, and basically, the first year and a half, I, I was doing nothing but you know asking for a bigger budget to hire people. Mm-hmm. It was just too big. You were telling me in the conversation uh, that we had mm-hmm. more nurturing that you received there. There was somebody that really helped you to make that transition from boy to man by taking you under his wing and teaching you some things. Can, can you share about that a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, there there were there are quite a few people that that kind of guided me in the the process of you know working through trying to figure out you know um, Kirk Clement 
over in in Coppell was a big help yeah, to me. Yeah, I, I know I know his wife well. Yeah, Kurt was great. I could kind of reach out to him some, and uh, our pastor, our parochial vicar, they were just very supportive. Um, the there were several young adults in the parish too that I connected with that were an exceptional help. You know, we built our community of friends around people our age, and and they were integrated into the ministry. It was more like a community of friends that were, you know, doing ministry for each other. So there was just a lot of a lot of different people that were right there beside us, you know, guiding us along the way. And you told me about a businessman that helped you to understand oh, yes. how to do that. To to do to be successful and to become a manager. Yes. Yes. So there was a we had uh some friends of ours and some of our listeners may know the Noonans. Uh, they're they're here in town. They're students of A and M. But their dad was just an exceptional leader for me. Uh, kind of a spiritual father. He he took me under his wings. He did a lot of development for me at the time. You know, as a youth minister, I didn't really have a lot of professional skills. I had a lot of you know ministry skills. But you know, I, I dressed in you know shorts and a t shirt and and uh, ball cap every day. And and he kind of reshaped the way that ministry could look like. I had a lot of tendencies to miss meetings and just a lot of the professional development just wasn't there. And so he taught me how to schedule. He taught me how to set goals and, and work towards, you know, different things. And and he still does. Like I still can contact him and we stay in touch every once in a while. And he just guides me a lot through um, just some of the management and professional things that need to be done in ministry. And that I think that shaped a lot of where, I knew I needed to go to move move forward in ministry. But so you found out that there is more to ministry than just showing up. Right. That there are that some of the things out of the secular world are very applicable even in the religious world mm-hmm. to make that successful. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a lot of people that don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So you're very blessed in that. Oh, very blessed. Yeah. Can I jump in and say something, though? Mm -hmm. But I think we as Catholics and Christians also need to remember that a lot of those kind of habits that are in the secular world today are actually descendants of the virtues and the character training that is a part of the Christian life and that is rooted in the deepest traditions of Catholic Christianity. So it's actually been bequeathed to secular society from... Catholic society, and we're just we're just reclaiming it, mm-hmm. if nothing else. Yeah. So we should we should take pride in that and remember that. Absolutely. For so, whatever it's worth. Oh well, I'll I'll, I'll pay you later. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Gene. <laughs> uh, so you 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 and you and I, your wife, mm-hmm. whose name I just, Greer Greer, mm-hmm. and your children. How many did, were your children all born while you were there? All but one. So you have three. So there's two yeah, older so ones we, were born there. We raised two boys there. And so there was a lot of growth that went on from a lot of different aspects there, right? Yeah. For, I mean, over the course of that six years, it was probably the most significant amount of change that I, in my, you know, somewhat adult life is going from the disorganized, you know, irresponsible boy into you know, a grown man that, that had children and, you know, trying to actually move through life with a little bit of, at least a little bit of proficiency. 
And I'm sure <laughs> that your spiritual life developed significantly during this time also. It did. It did. And was this the time you went back eventually and got a, uh, a master's degree from the University of Dallas? Was that at this period of time also? Or? Yes, the parish was very generous, and, and our pastor was very supportive of higher education as well. So, you know, when I reached out and said, hey, I, I'm thinking about getting my master's, they, they gratuitously, you know, were, were helpful in, in doing that. And, but, but you were the one that, that couldn't make it with the GRE. How, so, but God put you where he wanted you to be in your master's program, right? Yeah. I, mean, I guess for me it was, it was something that I wanted to do, and it was, it was an area that I loved— and you know, learning about Jesus, you know, go back 15 years ago. Bef- you know, before that, and I probably wouldn't have been able to pass those classes because I wouldn't have been interested. But the Lord just kind of inspired a, a educated desire, an education desire for me, and and I moved forward. It, it wasn't easy for me, but but I did what it took, and and it was an incredibly growing experience for me to get that master's. Yeah, just being a youth ministry minister would have been enough to make it difficult to do that, even if you were uh, a, a very great student, because you just don't have the time. Right. But I think what what I see in there, Mark, is that God was developing in you those talents and those things to, to bring you to where you could bloom. Mm-hmm. It just took a while to get there, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It did. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a lot quicker than I did. <laughs> so you, you got your degree from the University of Dallas, and what's that degree in? Master's in Theological Studies. Theological Studies. Mm-hmm. Some very—I know some of the professors from there, and I know that they are very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, and it also know that it's a very, very Catholic university. It is. And so you got a lot of good education there. And in all this time, you're still doing your youth ministry work. Mm-hmm. So you're six years there, and suddenly, all of a sudden, you just decide you're going to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not all of a sudden. I mean, there was a, there was a period of time of growth and discernment. And I, I, towards the end of my time there, you know, I was happy. I love my job. I love the students. Um, and, and in fact, it was incredibly heartbreaking to even— consider leaving there, but I knew that, again, there was a, a movement, a, a calling into something greater, and and I didn't identify it until kind of the end of my time there that I, I felt like I was being called to to work in a greater sense for the church, and uh, there were some opportunities that opened up that I kind of looked at, you know, and I, I took them apart, and I discerned it, and I discerned it with my pastor, and, and we all came to the conclusion that it, it was time not because I was called to leave something, but I was called to go somewhere new and different into more of missionary work. And that's a big difference, isn't it, between leaving something and moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do leave behind when you move forward, but the purpose was to move forward absolutely, to where God was calling you. And in staying put, you would have been disobedient to God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's also— there's a sense of, you know, the desolation and consolation when we look at discernment and trying to figure out, like, what is God putting into my life? And and sometimes we tend to think that bad circumstances are something God is, you know, either punishing us or He's trying to tell us something. And reality is God does not 
He does not put desolation into our life. He only gives us consolation. And and this was a, a beautiful circumstance of there was a lot of consolation and God revealing himself and in, in a new opportunity for me. And and that's that's what I was drawn to is, is going somewhere for the purpose of his mission. And that somewhere was still in Texas. It was. It was. There was uh, an opportunity back in Tyler, Texas, which I, I you know, from the Pines. Um, not only did I receive the calling a long time ago from Father Hank Lanick at the Pines, but also, you know, it came right back through at the Diocese of Tyler because Father Hank had now become a priest and he was the chancellor at the Diocese of Tyler, and they had an opening for their diocesan director of youth evangelization. Did he contact you, or did you contact him? I initially reached out to him and said, hey, you know, I, I see this this spot's open. And he's like, oh my gosh, yeah, like, you, you should <laughs> you should definitely consider it and, and come out to visit. And, and uh, so there was, you know, a, just a really cool kind of homecoming, and Bishop Strickland out there, oh my gosh, like... Talk about awesome, awesome bishops that just meeting him over the phone, like I knew that, that he was going to um, be an incredible man to, to support and to, you know, work with. So was it a long process to get there? Not I mean, I mean, too long. From, not too long. Not too long. I mean, we, I had already been in communication with my pastor at, at Good Shepherd and, and, you know, it was very clear, you know, where I was going, and I, I had visited with Bishop Olson in the Diocese of Fort Worth, and and also, you know, with Bishop Strickland and Tyler, and I, I pretty much had known that Tyler was really the place for me, at least for a little while, you know. Um, and it was a very different—I mean, it was still youth <laughs> ministry, but it was— you were now had youth ministers reporting to you, basically, right? And In that, a way, I, there was no re- reporting, but there was a lot of support. You know, there were there's 33 counties and 70 parishes, and uh, including Palestine. Yep, including Palestine, who's who's a listener here. But um, so, I, yeah, just working with them, um, working with the youth ministers there, working with the bishop and his vision. You know, it just is very, very different from youth ministry directly working with students and people um, in, a, in a ministerial kind of way, and it turned more into training and formation. So you were ministering to the ministers. I was, yep. And you had a lot of ideas and things, and, and mm-hmm. the diocese implemented some of them, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We had a great conference. We, we started with a, about 100 students in our first youth conference, and year two, it doubled to 200. And year three, surprisingly, it doubled again. To, we had about 500 at our, at our last conference before I left, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it, it, that's in God's time, that's really a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's still going on in the diocese, is it not? I, I absolutely hope so. I, I've visited with Father George Elliott, a good friend of mine, and uh, he's he's tasked with trying to put that back together and— Trying to make that work, yeah. But you were there for about, what, about three years, was we're, it? Yep, three, three and a half years. Three, three and a half mm-hmm. years. So you helped get the reinvigorate the youth ministry. I did. In, on the diocesan level and, mm-hmm. and let it filter down to the parish level. Mm-hmm. And, and then you got the nudge again. I did. Probably not exactly the way you wanted it. <laughs> But you saw you were sharing with me. You saw that that 
that there was another direction where you probably didn't fit as well as you had in the past, and you got the nudge. You know, yes, yes, and no. There was um, there was a questioning of you know where where I was supposed to be in Tyler and and there was a lot of direction change and things like that. I loved it. I love Bishop Strickland and I'd work for him in a heartbeat um again. But but th- there was one day that I woke up and I I was thinking about, you know, St. Mary's and I had loved St. Mary's, you know, when I was here. When I was here I didn't think I was going to ever be back at St. Mary's, but um but I every once in a while I just looked. I looked online and I looked at opportunities that were here, and I noticed that um, that there was kind of a, a missing person, Marcel, who had done an exceptional job here for many, many years. I noticed that he wasn't on the website anymore, so I reached out to Father and said, hey, you know, is there an opportunity that might be popping up? And uh, he said, actually, yeah, we're we're going to be hiring someone soon, or I'd love for you to apply, and so I did. And uh, it was more providential than it was— because it, it was just totally random. You know, the position wasn't even up yet. And I just, I just felt like I needed to look. And then I just felt called to reach out and say, hey, is this, is this going to happen? So. And it didn't take long for it to happen either, did it? The process of actually getting, you know, it, it took about, it was a four month, four or five month process. It seemed to take forever, <laughs> but I mean, it did. It was pretty quick, and and uh, sure enough, it it was a good fit for me, and it was a good fit for St. Mary's, and so here I am. Is St. Mary's different from what you remember as a student? Oh yeah, I mean, as a student, well, that was back in, you know, from ninety nine two thousand three, and I don't think. St. Mary's had a whole lot of staff members. I think it was probably a pretty small staff. I don't even remember meeting hardly any of the staff. I knew De- Deacon David, and uh, other than that, there you know, the, besides the pastors, I, I really didn't see a whole lot of staff interaction with students. So yeah, I would say it's considerably different in terms of that. So now you maybe are ministering. St- Pardon me, ministering to some of the students that you had ministered to before as, yeah. as high schoolers. Have you, have you run into any of them? Oh, yeah. I've got a list of like 50 students, and um, some of them are really active here at St. Mary's, and some of them aren't, and that's okay. And some of them are in the eighth year of their four-year program. <laughs> and some of them are. Some of them are here for grad school and, and FET school and other things like that. So, yeah. There's been a lot of changes happen at St. Mary's in the last year, year and a half, though, too. So there have mm-hmm. been some staff turnover mm-hmm. and some staff additions. And you are doing some things. We were talking before you came in about Magnify. Mm-hmm. And Magnify is an outgrowth of what was The Rock last year, is it not? Well, The Rock is still in place. It's still in place? It's still in place. And, and they still do amazing praise and worship on Monday nights. And uh, that's still exceptional, and the guys that run that have great hearts for ministry. But we saw a need for for kind of large gathering and and big kind of big vision of bringing all the students together. And um, you know, Breakaway has been exceptionally you know successful here at St. Mary's, and and it's beautiful and it does great ministry. Um, we as Catholics, we we have a little bit you know we have a little bit different. Um, 
what we're reaching for, and we reach for Jesus in the Eucharist. Yes. You know, and, and that's one thing that Breakaway doesn't have. It doesn't have um, the true presence of Jesus Christ through the Eucharist. It, yeah. it has Jesus' presence in, in the people, in creation, and in friendship, and in, you know, all those pieces, but his true body and blood are present at Magnify, which makes it radically different. Mm-hmm. Than, than what Breakaway offers. So we thought, you know, it, that's something that works there. Um, it can work here. So let us bring, you know, speakers that, that speak Catholic truth and, and uh, you know, bring the Eucharist and, it, you know, let people encounter Jesus through that. We've got about a minute and a half or so. If, if there is someone listening here that's where you were back in, what, 99 to two, 2003 that's saying— Hmm. It happened to him. I wonder if it can happen to me. What would you say to somebody that is where you were when you were here and everything was sort of a haze and you didn't really, you didn't know what you wanted to do when you grew up? Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person? I would say, you know, trust in the Lord, you know, dive into him. And, and he is the source of all hope. He is a source of healing. He is the source of of goodness. God wants good things for you. You know, God wants the absolute best for you, and he's not going to take away good things. He's not going to remove, um, uh, you know, or put bad things into your life. He wants the best for you. So by following what he wants, it will absolutely be the greatest direction of your life. Mark, I am so appreciate your being here. Uh, I have really enjoyed our time together. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule. <laughs> and I apologize for the, some of the confusion that we had about when you were supposed to be here. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I think I need to go talk to your friend in Colleyville to figure out how to set up a schedule. <laughs> uh, one last message. What's your one last message you got for folks uh, while you're here? Man, God is so good. He is so incredible. And... Uh... He wants, he wants the best for all of us, and, and by knowing him, you know, there's healing, there's freedom, you know, there's just so many incredible things that, that God, you know, wants to impart in all of us. We just got to be willing to say yes. And even when we don't know what that yes means. Yeah, just one foot in front of the other, you know? Sometimes it's, it's not the big jumps, it's just this one step, one step forward. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, my guest has been Mark Knox, and this is Gene Wilhelm. And remember, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. <laughs>